0: It's Lifeline with Craig Roberts. He's the host of Northern California's longest-running conservative talk show. He's a man with a message, a conservative with compassion. He's Lifeline's own Craig Roberts.
1: Ask many people over the age of 55 or more, and they'll tell you. As they grow older, they mostly fear one thing. More than ill health, money problems, more than a changing world. They fear being alone. Divorce and death can be unsettling, certainly life-altering. But the fear of being alone cripples so many at a time in life that can be and should be rich, rewarding, and giving. So what's the alternative to feeling lost and alone at that point in life? Joining me today in studio from Menlo Park Presbyterian Church, and part of their Singles Together ministry is Dr. Margot Gregg. She is a licensed marriage and family therapist in private practice and a member of the California Association of Marriage and Family Therapists, and also involved with our friends over at Christian Counseling Centers. And joining Dr. Gregg tonight in studio is Carol Johnson. Together, they co-lead New Life Singles Together at Menlo. Park Presbyterian Church. And welcome to both of you. Thank you. Dr. Greg, let me start first with you. Boy, this is a time in life when you you finally get the point where you've done your time, you've raised your kids, you've done your working and earning, and now here's the time to sort of enjoy the golden years. And suddenly, a life-changing event happens. For some people, it's divorce. For others, it's death. Suddenly, you find yourself out of sorts you're not comfortable in the, the dating world. Maybe people doesn't, don't even know what that looks like if they've enjoyed 10, 20, 30 years or more of marriage. And sadly and unfortunately, there's even an awkwardness for many of these people in the church because they're either surrounded by young families in which mm-hmm. they, they either feel jealous of or, or uncomfortable with or don't seem to quite fit in. They know certainly they're not going to join the dating scene again. So what is a person to do?
2: Well, I think the key to life really is coping, um, learning to live in reality, creating the life that you want, um, finding activities that are uh, that are meaningful to you, um, finding a community in which you can belong, finding ways to um, to enhance your life and have things to look forward to.
1: Connection maybe is. The important uh-huh. word here. I would agree. Mm-hmm. Staying Absolutely. connected and, and getting connected. And, 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 Carol, that connection doesn't always come easily. I mean, a lot of people, when they go through a devastating loss in life, for example, mm-hmm. and it's loss, whether it's divorce or death, it's still a loss, um, tend to kind of hanker down and become kind of cocoon-like. Their heart's been wounded. There's this huge gap now. Uh, particularly for married individuals who say, my goodness, after all these years, my husband, my wife of all these years is now gone, and, and I don't know how even how to change my language from we to me. That's right. And mm-hmm. so maybe sometimes kind of hunkering down and, and cocooning in, as I say, is a natural, almost protective reaction, and yet that sense of isolation that it can bring can be very devastating, can't It
3: can be very devastating and produce some horrible depression, I'm just going back. I wasn't so old when I lost my husband, but I've been in the singles world basically for about 34 years because he died very young. I do remember what happened when I went to church, though, and I remember being with another widow who had lost her husband two weeks before in a different church, and she called me one day. Maybe my husband had been dead about six weeks, and she said, do you feel invisible in your church? I think this is true for older Mm -hmm. people, too. And I said, what do you mean? And she said, nobody knows what to say to me anymore, so they just ignore me. And then I started noticing. People didn't know what to do, so they just kind of treat you like a piece of furniture. And I'd forgotten about that till you just talked about that, about how hard that was. And then trying to find a place in the church... As a single person, after you say, I had been in what we, call, we used to call neighborhood groups in our church, and my husband and I were in charge of one of those. Suddenly, I was the only single person, and that didn't last too long. So um, I remember going to my uh, own pastor then and asking about uh, Do we have a singles group or somebody like that? I ended up in another church that had a big singles group.
1: And the irony is a lot of times when a singles group does exist, it's singles as in high school age, college age.
3: That's correct. And, and, you know,
1: hey, do you want to go, you know, play the water rides at Great America? Probably not at the age of 35 (laughs) or 40 or or older. you
3: might, you might. But (laughs) but that was beside the point. They just didn't seem to have a – and I went went to one group that was a – Uh, out of my church, but in a lot of other churches in another town. I said, oh, they have one. And I remember going, I'm a widow. I'm grieving my husband. And I sat next to some woman who was divorced and complaining about her ex and on and on. And I thought, I remember coming out of there, and I said to my friend, that wasn't much fun to go and listen to other people's stuff when you're hurting. So it wasn't until many years later, 10 years, before I found another singles group that was over the age of 40. Now that looks real young to me. But in those days, that was an older singles group. Dr.
1: Gregg, I'm curious. There's this sense of awkwardness. Uh, You know, I think uh, Carol touched on it, that not only once you have gone through that loss, again, divorce or, or death, whatever it might be, you're trying to fit in again. You're used to always going to events as couples, and all of a sudden now you get invited to the same groups and you feel like a third wheel, Um, everybody's paired off but you, and you feel awkward, they feel awkward, so suddenly they stop inviting you, they don't want to embarrass you, and so Mm -hmm. it's almost as if there's this awkwardness from both sides, both the individual who's now dealing with this change of life, this loss, as well as the old network of friends. I was super involved
2: in a church uh, with my husband. We were both elders, uh served uh, several terms but once when he died it was like i did not fit anymore mm-hmm. and so i um i i did in fact change churches um and was invited to mendel park press where uh by because i knew the um singles pastor and so that's what took me there mm-hmm. but the loss that you feel when you had this life that was going in a certain direction and all of a sudden boom it's snatched mm-hmm. from you and now you have to figure out uh how how to use your how to use your time how to who who to associate with and you don't you don't have the activities to look forward to that you once had you don't have the the um the the things that gave you meaning are are different because uh the network is not there in the way that it once was
1: Things that give you meaning. I I want to kind of zero in Mm -hmm. on that for a moment because, you know, we we hear about things like the purpose-filled life. We all want a sense of satisfaction out of our careers, out of our marriages, raising our children. Mm -hmm. We oftentimes get such a sense of identity. Yes. out of what we do, and I think certainly today with so many women that are involved in the working world, it used to be just the men they would retire and a couple of years after retired, either the wife kicked him out of the house and they got a divorce because <laughs> she didn't didn't want to be around him anymore, or the man just seemed to flounder because he, all of his identity was wrapped right. up in what he did in the working world and so even as women deal with that now, there's that sense of of I've lost my state of being almost
3: yeah.
2: You know, uh, when I was a freshman in college, which was a few years ago, I re- I was exposed to a book by Viktor Frankl, Man's Search for Meaning. And the book is about logotherapy, about um, being in a concentration camp and finding meaning every single day in that setting. Mm. And that's probably as big a stretch as one would ever have to make is trying to find meeting in that kind of adversity.
1: That certainly is on the extreme, but I think indicative of the notion that it really is incumbent upon the individual to be proactive about this, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Exactly. You know, if you've lost someone through death... We know in the early days that there's going to be, you know, a gathering of friends and family and they're taking you casseroles to eat and offering to take you shopping. Do you need anything? Mm -hmm. And then three or four weeks after the memorial service is behind you, they've suddenly Mm -hmm. forgotten your telephone number. And if you just sit and stare at the phone waiting for someone to call, it may be eons before that phone rings. You really need to be proactive then, in a sense, to get out and say, how do I find a redefined meaning and purpose in life?
2: You know, Scott Peck talks about um, the fact that uh, in his book, The Road Less Traveled, the first sentence is life is difficult. And his premise is if you accept the fact that life is difficult, then you do something about it and you start trying to make Mm. your life happen because it's hard for everybody, even though it doesn't look that way.
3: Mm. And I directed a program at hospice for almost 20 years and What we used to talk about is there are many reasons that people grieve differently, Um, but the biggest determinant of all of how people function with through a disasters is their own personality. So you can have somebody can have a whole bunch of stuff happen to them, and they're resilient. And who knows how that happens? But. Um, it's true that you um, there's so many things to deal with as you're going through grieving. A
1: lot of it certainly is perspective. Yes. I would think from a Christian standpoint, from a lot a of it too right. would be your relationship with the Lord. Yes. How plugged Absolutely. in you are mm-hmm. in terms of prayer and Bible study and getting a sense of of being and satisfaction in your identity in the Lord. And Mm -hmm. they certainly all struggle. The reality is we lose a spouse through death or divorce. There is a change in identity. Mm -hmm. Um, If we reach retirement age and we find ourselves suddenly alone, there's the change in identity in that arena as well. Mm -hmm. But foundational to all of us from a Christian perspective ought to be our relationship with the Lord that can serve as sort of that springboard, if you will, um, into finding a, a, a new sense, a new direction, and a renewed sense of of purpose and meaning in life. Let's pause on that point. We'll come back to more of our conversation. Dr. Margot Gregg with us in studio today, along with Carol Johnson there with New Life Singles Together Ministry Group at Menlo Park Presbyterian Church. A brief timeout back with more as this edition of Lifeline continues.
0: Now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts.
1: And welcome back to the conversation. Joining me today in studio, Dr. Margot Gregg. She is a licensed marriage and family therapist and is a member of the California Association of Marriage and Family Therapists and affiliated with the Christian Counseling Centers. She, along with Carol Johnson, co-lead New Life Singles Together Ministry Group at Menlo Park Presbyterian Church. And we've been talking about some of the dramatic changes in life that can happen. Well, as you mentioned, Carol, young in life. You were barely in your 40s when your husband passed the big change that happens there, and then particularly, too, for those that are in their senior years. Suddenly now, well, you're no longer working. You have had a loss through death or divorce. Maybe the family, the kids are far away. The grandkids mm-hmm. are in another state or the other half of the country. And so now all of a sudden, there's this sense of my usefulness is behind me, Mm-hmm. The phone is not ringing. My grandkids are no longer nearby. I'm no longer involved in the workforce. And so much of my identity was wrapped up in either my job or my spouse. And now I really don't know even who I am.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's one of the biggest uh, uh, problems that we have is, is maintaining um, a sense of reality as we go along in life. And, maintain, and living with the way things really are and making our life happen and having an attitude uh, which is positive, not negative. And um, it's, that's very hard to do. It's very hard to do. Uh, for me, my husband uh, died uh, when we were snorkeling in Hawaii, um, when we were there to celebrate my being over chemotherapy for a second time, uh, which was heavy stuff to deal with. and uh, And he dies in Maui. And it's like, Lord, what is this? Uh, The scripture that came to my mind was that God has promised us he will not tempt us more than we're able to handle, but will with the temptation provide a way of escape. And I said, this is it, Lord. I'm at the top. I'm at my limit. And I think then realizing that God walks with us through all of the hard parts of life, and that really is good theology. I grew up with bad theology. (laughs) I grew up believing that if I was good, God would would treat me well and everything would go along okay. But realizing that that's not really the gospel. Yeah, the you gospel. find out the
1: reins on the just and the unjust.
2: Exactly, mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and, and if, in fact, we accept the fact that God's promise is to be with us, not that things will go well for us and not that things will go the way we script them, the way we want them, but that God walks with us through the hard, hard parts of life.
1: And you know when that rain falls, we can either choose to um, to drown
4: mm-hmm. and not
1: make any effort, or we can learn how to dog paddle and how to survive. It, it again, a lot of this goes back to a matter of attitude, That's right. and how how willing you are to to reach out and and to kind of take charge, take control again of your own life. I'm struck that both of you, having gone through your experiences, both found that the churches at the time that you were attending were not adequately meeting their needs Still or not don't. prepared to meet the needs mm-hmm. of a older adult single that did not fit into the, the young singles college and high school age group um, mm-hmm. who had lost in both cases a husband and suddenly found themselves in kind of that third-person uh, third arena that, that nobody seemed to know what to do with no you, let alone land. the church mm-hmm. in no-man's land, mm-hmm. exactly. You don't exactly fit with the right. couples anymore, but you don't fit with the young singles. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. yet you've still got your whole life in front of you, and, and you've got energy and life skills and so much to contribute, mm-hmm. and yet suddenly you're in this no-man's land.
3: You know, one of the things when I was listening to Margot that has always helped me is that I do believe that everything that comes to us goes through the Father's hand, as it says in Scripture. Therefore, when these things happen, I might not like them, but I think, you know, God has allowed it, and we know that we have, in Psalms it talks about the fact that all, the days of our lives are all written before we're ever here. So that has helped me. I lost a son last year. The same way his father went to a quick heart attack, and probably this last year has been the loneliest of my life. That sounds weird, but I am now alone you see in the house i don 't have children to take care of like I did with the first when my husband was died and um, it 's been that existential loneliness that people have that you just it might be for a job. It could be for any kind of a loss. I, I have a business called Grief, Loss, and Transitions. I'm a, really a grief therapist. And um, people go through these kinds of feelings, and I don't know how they do it without the Lord, truly.
1: Part of that sense of of, of purpose, too, yes. that you're, you're touching on, I think, Carol, yeah. is is the need to be needed.
3: Yes. we right. have
1: We have a reason mm-hmm. to get up in the morning if we say, mm-hmm. but I have to do this because mm-hmm. my family depends upon... My income, cooking meals, caring for the house, whatever the case might be. Um, And and suddenly when you're no longer needed, you don't have to be at the office. Nobody needs you at the Mm -hmm. office because you're retired. Your husband is gone. Your children Mm -hmm. are gone. You no longer have that sense of being needed. Do we have to kind of restart that then? Um, Particularly for older adults and say, I need to get into a place where there is a reason for me to get up in the morning. And if it's going and volunteering at a homeless shelter Mm
3: -hmm. or
1: being a mentor to young children that need somebody to teach them how to live life, how to read a book, whatever the case might be does that help to reset that sense of purposeness in life?
2: Oh, I think that's absolutely true. I I think uh, one of the memories I have is after my husband died, and that was before I was 60, uh, so I was still, you know, uh, I still am working. But um, I was driving home, and I was kind of hurrying to get home, and all of a sudden it struck me. There's nobody at home. Mm -hmm. There's nothing to go Mm. home to. Mm-hmm. And it was so deep in me, mm-hmm. the things I missed when Wally died were uh, many, but one I was him making coffee in the morning and bringing it to me. So you have to get a whole new routine right. that works mm-hmm. for you mm-hmm. that it, so I said, okay if i 'm going to drink coffee, guess who 's going to make it me mm-hmm. uh, and so mm-hmm. that 's basically what you have to do is just uh, i I never barbecued now I barbecue. You know you do the things you have to do to create a normal kind of a life for yourself.
1: Is it important at this juncture too, to be well grounded or connected and And I ask that Very. question because I think of the vulnerability
4: mm-hmm.
1: of some seniors, for example, we read these scandalous things on the internet about some senior who's been a pen pal with somebody in the Ukraine or wherever they might be and has Mm -hmm. siphoned $100,000 out of their savings because they thought they were carrying on a romantic interest with this individual that, in fact, was just simply preying on their vulnerability. And I think... Why wasn't there anybody there in their life to intervene and say, wait a minute, what do you mean you're taking $50,000 out of your IRA to send it to somebody you're going to wire it to what? Somebody you've never even met before? Right. So I, I wonder if this just sense of being connected and grounded yeah. with others, with a community, becomes particularly important because of the vulnerability. Well,
2: that's exactly right. That's why community is so very, very important, mm-hmm. to have people that you can trust, people that you can do things with, people that – that will love you. And that's really what we have developed at at MPPC is a community, a family, an extended family really is what it amounts to.
1: You mentioned earlier M. Scott Peck. I'm reminded of some of his writings in that book, The The Road Less Traveled, that this sense of community is not something that necessarily happens by accident it needs it needs to no, be built doesn't that's it right. we need to be purposeful
2: intentional very and intentional, intentional. Mm-hmm.
1: and and when we're younger we meet we fall in love we have a family that kind of creates automatic community mm-hmm. now we're at a point in life where we might get married again but likely not we're certainly not going to have any more children and so mm-hmm. where do we go to create that intentional community and certainly Church is an important place to do it, and and I would imagine if you're in a church that doesn't have a ministry that specifically addresses some of the unique needs and challenges of older singles, then two pieces of advice. Start one. Or go out and find a church that does have one.
3: Yeah, that's and great. that's been – I mean, we drive – I drive 45 minutes a Sunday. People say, why do you do that? Because it was the only game in the whole area mm. that I could find where I knew I already had had that community earlier. And it collapsed in another church, and there, nobody has it.
1: Is the church missing out on something here? I mean, I we think about it. the baby boomer generation. Oh, we've
3: been fighting about this for a long wow. time. Wow. I mean, it, and it, that dream that of, of America – is single in the Bay Area.
1: And you think about the baby boomer generation, those of us born between 1945 mm-hmm. um, or 46 and 1964, 80 million of us.
3: Mm-hmm. And,
1: you know, we're Oof. eventually all going to be, you know, right. facing these same challenges. And I'm just wondering if the church should wake up and say, wow. Talk about a dynamic, incredible, unbelievable mission field here
2: you pre- you're preaching to the choir here yep, because we have been fighting this battle, trying to to help see the importance of providing a meaningful uh, um, setting for um singles. And it's a hard thing to keep going because people don't see the value.
1: And they, yet we have Vacation Bible School and Young exactly, Life. And right. we have That's right. all of these. And I'm not knocking any of those programs. No, of I, you course know, so. I think Iwanis and all of those are, are wonderful, important, viable ministries for young people and young families. Mm-hmm. And yet to recognize the need to to not only minister to the needs of the older single community, mm-hmm. but also recognize we as the church, we're sitting on a gold mine of knowledge and experience. I mean, we look at so many stories about these wayward kids that are born to single-parent families and the father has never been around at all. Mm -hmm. The young man or young girl has nobody to mentor them about the things of life. What an opportunity it could be to be able to plug together Mm -hmm. the older, experienced adult. With the younger person who needs life experience exactly. and knowledge and understanding. And here you have a person that's just a goldmine of all of that. Wow.
3: And yeah. give the older person such meaning.
1: Absolutely. We're going to pause on that point, come back to more of our conversation as we're visiting today in studio with Dr. Margot Gregg. And also with us is a marriage family counselor. Carol Johnson, Together New Life singles, Together group leaders at Menlo Park Presbyterian Church. A brief timeout, back with more as Lifeline continues.
0: now back to lifeline with craig roberts
1: welcome back to the conversation as we're talking about well, not just growing older gracefully but what does it mean to be over 40 and single and how do you go about getting that sense of meaning and purpose again in life and not only in terms of 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 having that sense of, of usefulness that continues as opposed to feeling like it's been outlived Um, recognizing, too, that while your identity might have been wrapped up in your working world or in your spouse, now that all of that has changed, um, you can find your identity, most importantly, in Christ Jesus. And I guess at the core, that really is the message here, Mm -hmm. isn't it? Mm
3: -hmm. It is. I want to say, though, that having a group like we have at MPPC— is, is so amazing for people because you are right, people do not remarry. Seventy percent of men are still married when they die. Only about 38 percent of women are. And when the older we get, the less chance that happens. So for me, this group has been so amazing because the men in the group become brothers. It's not like a, we are older singles. I don't think there, there are a few people that come in, they're looking for somebody. But for the most part, we are like brothers and sisters in Christ, and it's really wonderful. I cannot tell you, I broke my hip a few years ago in class, and the kinds of things that both the women and the men in that group did for me were amazing. And last year when my son died... They did all the food at the funeral and all of that stuff and it was so amazing to have this army of wonderful Christian brothers and sisters supporting me and people need that they come in so lonely and broken and shy and Margot is wonderful about being very inclusive and I try to do that too so that when people come in they feel like they're enveloped in in Christ's love but also in people who understand their situation.
1: You used the word earlier, Dr. Gregg, um, intentional. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, my, my memories go back to my, my grandmother um, who passed at the age of 93 after a, just a brief three-day hospital stay. Um, she went to senior citizens twice a week, mm-hmm. walked to church every Sunday, read the newspaper cover to cover every single day, was up at 6 o'clock in the morning and went to bed after the 11 o'clock news was over with every night, uh, still entertained in her home and would have the gang, as she would call them, over to play pinochle or or canasta at the house <laughs> once a month. Um, she stayed plugged in and active. Kids all grown, uh-huh. had retired from a 35-year career at Seas Candies. She used to say it was the sweetest job in the world. <laughs> and yet I was struck by the fact that she remained active. She uh-huh. was involved in the Sons of Italy and with various uh-huh. other charitable organizations and and served as a judge at the local polling place um, for many, many years so that every election she was there. And uh, we used to joke, I'd show up and she'd say, My grandson's coming now to cancel my vote. <laughs> but anyway <laughs> I learned that sense of remaining plugged in, even yeah. though she had been divorced Critical. from my grandfather for many, many years. She lived a full active, vibrant life. And I'll never forget the day she was admitted to the hospital, her arguing with the, the, um, the entrance nurse and saying, well, you know, you have to stay for some tests. And she kind of begrudgingly agreed to do so, and then turned to the nurse and said, but make clear of this, I will stay only tonight because I'm not missing two days of senior citizens in a row. That <laughs> sense of the, the value of importance of being That's plugged right. in with community, intentional living is what struck me about Mm. what made her life so full, literally up to the very end.
2: Yeah, and my mother died at 94 and had that same thing. We all would go home and we would all be together. And there was always a family that kept her going. And so there was all these things that she had to give to us. So that's what kept her alive. And she too was involved in church and and uh, sewing for people uh, to be sent with mis- to missionaries, doing all kinds of things mm-hmm. that gave her meaning. Mm-hmm.
1: In the few moments that remain in our conversation today, I, I want each of you to take a couple of minutes, if you would, from your own life experience, and for the benefit of those eavesdropping on our conversation right now that are today where you were, maybe it's a sudden loss because of death, maybe divorce. And now they find themselves older,
3: mm-hmm.
1: single, alone, not feeling like they fit in anywhere. Mm-hmm. Share some of your, your insights and advice, and let me start first with Dr. Margot Gregg.
2: Well, I, I I've been thinking about a scripture which is Second Corinthians sixteen through eighteen, which is um therefore we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away. I like mm-hmm. that. Inwardly, we are being renewed day by day for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that will outweigh all of the struggles. So fix your eyes not upon what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is internal. And the Phillips Translation, uh, which I, I was on the Young Life staff at one point in my life, um, and the Phillips Translation says we are knocked down, but we're not knocked out. Mm. And I love that because yeah. I think that things knock us down, mm-hmm. but we can't let ourselves be knocked out. We have to somehow... Um, Keep a balance in our lives that, are, that give us meaning, that give us purpose, that give us uh, significance and help us stay fixed on uh, Jesus and on the, the, the healthiness that He offers to us through our choosing to be more Christ like until we take our last breath, until that's what the whole finish well concept is about that as long as we're on the earth, we need to be be reframing what's happening to us. We need to be processing what's happening. We need to be communicating with each other in healthy, godly ways.
1: That image of Paul speaking of fighting the good fight, exactly. running mm-hmm. the good mm-hmm. race. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, nobody feels sympathetic for the guy who just decides, you know, a mile away from the finish line just to plop down and say, you know, ah, this is too much effort. <laughs> you know, exactly. I, I'll meet you back at the clubhouse. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, I'm not. No. In fact, the one that gets the accolades is the one who finishes the race. This is about finishing well, finishing not only with a sense of, of purpose, but that purpose leading to fulfillment. And at the accolades. end of the day, that's what this is really about, isn't it? Because, mm-hmm. you know, we're going to think about our accomplishments and, you know, he was great at his job and all the accolades that we've heard at every funeral we've ever been to. And yet at the end of the day, the big question is how much of a difference did my life make? on earth make toward others and ultimately toward the kingdom.
3: And I think this is funny because I think I've got the same verse that I wanted to finish with, but a different version, the message. Mm -hmm. So let me read that, if I may, from 2 Corinthians 4. So we're not giving up, how could we? Even though on the outside it often looks like things are falling apart on us, on the inside where God is making new life, not a day goes by without his unfolding grace. These hard times are small potatoes compared to the coming good times, the lavish celebration prepared for us. There's more here than meets the eye. The things we see now are here today, gone tomorrow, but the things we can't see will last forever. Mm
1: -hmm. You mentioned an important word in that passage that I think should be highlighted, bold, underscored, put in red for all of us, and that is for those listening to say, yeah, but Dr. Gregg, you're a licensed counselor you, you have all the skills ava- available sure. to you Carol same thing you know about all this me little old me how can i be expected to get through all of this and there's one word that comes to mind grace
3: mm-hmm. grace
1: that right. he gives us the grace mm-hmm. to make it through that you can lean on him and he will make it through If you purpose in your heart to put your trust in him. Mm -hmm. And as we began the dialogue today, maybe your church doesn't offer an older singles group. Start one. Mm -hmm. And if you get all kinds of resistance and pushback, pray and see that the Lord may maybe lead you to to change your circumstances, but to live life with a sense of purpose and intention Mm -hmm. and um, to change your perspective. When you've experienced a loss of perspective— change your perspective, get God's eye on the matter, mm-hmm. and learn that it's not only possible to age well, but it's also possible to finish well. I'll mention, by the way, if you'd like to get more information about the Singles Together group that meets at Mendel Park Presbyterian Church, uh, you can check them out on the web at singlestogether.org. It's easy to remember, Singles Together part of the ministry there at Menlo Park Presbyterian Church. And I'd like to thank Dr. Margot Gregg for being with us and also um, Counselor Carol Johnson from uh, New Life Singles Together. Thank you both for the time and the, the education.
0: And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts.
4: You
1: heard on the program news that lawmakers here in California are considering changes to some 34 statutes by, quote, redefining the definition of gender to also include a person's gender expression, close quote. Uh, This on the heels of word that a district here in California, school district, um, would allow children, boys and girls, to identify as boys, girls, or undecided. Now, (laughs) you talk about... Uh, creating confusion amongst kids at a time with anything uh, was needed. We need better clarification, better understanding. Some would argue that what's happened here is instead of emancipating a man to be the kind of men uh, that that God has called them to be, to be the kind of fathers that God has called them to be, the kind of husbands that God has called them to be, instead our modern culture is emasculating them. We take a look at some insights on this topic. Don Otis joins us on the program. Of course, he's a well-known best-selling author, many, many years involved in high adventure ministries, which his dad founded uh, there, broadcasting uh, Christian programming, both radio and television, uh, literally to the totality of the Middle East. Don joins us to talk about his new book, Whisker Rubs, Developing the Masculine Identity. And Don, is always great to have you on the
4: show. Greg, it's always good to be on with you. You've been doing this for a few years, haven't you? A, a
1: day or two now. Yeah, I think we're going to turn a corner into about twenty. It'll be twenty-three years this November wow. if they'll tolerate me that long.
4: That's a that's well, wow, that's a long time. And you're a multitasker, I think, because I think you have some technical skills yeah. too, if I remember correctly. One or
1: two. You got a, You got a good memory. Hey, Don, let's talk about this topic. One that I, you know, I ought to capture the attention of of not just guys in the audience, but women too. You know, it's funny. You talk to some of the the single gals around the office and they say, gee, if men would only be men, boy, how come we just can't find guys these days that understand and appreciate what it means to be a responsible man, an accountable man, a man that loves God with all his heart, mind, soul, lives like it, acts like it, and, uh, and understands what being a man's man is.
4: You know, I, I, I mentioned Maureen Dowd's book, Are Men Necessary? Uh, when Sexes Collide, and, and Peggy Drexler's book, Raising Boys Without Men, I think. You know, during the World War II generation, when many men were, were fighting and, and giving their lives on the beaches of, uh, of France, uh, nobody was asking, are men necessary? They were saying, thank God for men. Thank God that they're they're stepping up. Now what we do in popular culture, in, in the media, certainly on sitcoms, is we just deride men. We, we tear them down. And then we expect them to be protectors and providers for us. And I'm thinking, you know, you can't have it both ways. You either have to accept the, the, the benefits of a man who's masculine or or you or you, uh, you, continue to tear them down and, and uh, make them into something that God certainly never intended them to be. Uh, you certainly live in an area, and I worked with Exodus International for five years, uh, doing public relations for them when they were there in San Rafael. And this is an organization that, that deals with gender issues. It deals with the struggle that many men feel um, in our culture. And and we think because of the no-fault divorce laws back in the early 70s, that that's had no impact whatsoever on how men men identify themselves. I mean, it's had an enormous sociological uh, impact on our culture.
1: Well, and 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 so often, you know...
4: Women, single-parent families where women are the predominant um, raising boys, and they don't know what what it means to to be masculine. These kids grow up, and they're confused.
1: You know, and sadly, Don, the the so-called feminist movement that that saw its birth with things like the Equal to Rights Amendment in the 1970s. You know, as much as it was paraded as 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 creating a an atmosphere in which women can capture rights and be treated more fairly, et cetera, et cetera. You know, but instead of becoming the great equalizer, there are some levels where it's ended up uh literally at least in my observation emasculating a lot of men because now all of a sudden well we don't have to be responsible we're not held to be accountable we don't have to be fathers to our children we don't have to be husbands to our wives if it's uh, you know too inconvenient we'll run out and get a divorce or let the television set raise our sons
4: well and, and i hate to say this because it's going to come off sounding wrong but the reality is that the the black community has seen this happen and what 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 you find is is a, a huge percentage of, of black children who are born without the benefit of a father. what we're saying is a culture is hey we'll give you we'll give you free government services and and we'll become the father for you because we realize that um, somebody's got to step to the plate and do it instead of saying, "Hey look, fathers have to become responsible for their own families and and step to the plate." and 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 be there for their kids be there for their wives i say this in the book that it's that god's mandate for for men for masculine gender male is to be protectors and providers you can't be a protector and be a wimp you just can't do it and if you if you emasculate a man then he's not going to be a very good uh, protector so that's kind of what we're doing in our culture is we've taken away um, men's ability, uh, certainly within the church as well. Uh, and we look at God and we look at all of the feminine, uh, gender qualities and attributes of God, his love, his mercy, his kindness, his grace, all of which are true about God. But we forget about some of those other, uh, attributes of who God is, his power, his strength, his might, his, his jealousy, his judgment, his righteousness. Those are kind of more masculine qualities and, 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 uh, so what we do is we pick and we choose both, you know, our perspective of God as well as our perspective of, of the way dads ought to be in our culture.
1: And how interesting it is to know that as much as we've seen this trend, you know, recently in in, in years uh, on an increasing basis here, this move toward encouraging men to find, you know, their feminine side, their gentle side, the softer side, etcetera, cetera. Et cetera. Uh, And and in that process, I think they have completely abandoned some of the more traditional roles of, of, of the guy as the protector, the leader, the provider, the defender of wife and family and all the responsibilities as God designed a man to have. We've completely let these guys, in a sense, sort of off the hook as they're out to explore their feminine side. And in the end, no one is picking up the baton here, are they?
4: And, I, and I'm not against, I'm not against uh, teaching boys to be sensitive. I'm not against men learning to be uh, thoughtful and considerate and, and not acting like Neanderthals. Certainly that's not what we're talking about. <clears throat> what we're talking about, I think, is, is, is men kind of really stepping up and, and being leaders. And I'm not talking about control freaks, but being the leaders that God really has intended them to be. You know, I I think part of the the frustration that I have with what happened with feminism is it was a pendulum swing that probably needed to happen uh, on some level, but it went too far. And so what happened in in the process is that that many men, and this is especially true of Christian men, is they felt like, hey, you know, we can't complain about this. We just have to suck it up and learn to live with it. And so what they did is they, they just sort of... Walked away from their responsibilities, or they they went into uh, their own little closets, emotionally speaking, and stopped communicating because they didn't know what to do. They didn't know how to ex- express what they felt because they'd be called wimps and whiners and sissies, and that's not what men want to feel like. So, you know, by sending that pendulum swing all the way all the way in the other direction, you know, we have become something that I don't think God ever intended. And uh, that's part of the way our, our culture's gone. Now we're looking at far more – and here's the trend, Craig, that, that, that I'm seeing. Twenty years from now, probably ten years from now, is more realistic. And even you can look at what's happening in the GOP debates last night with Sarah Palin and the new Minnesota governor. And, and you can see how women are, are earning, on average, uh, 25% more degrees, uh, bachelor's degrees, than, than men are. There's nothing wrong with that. I think it's great, but what's going to happen is we're going to see that there's going to be a lot more positions where women are in leadership, CEOs of corporations, uh, taking over in the military, taking over in politics, and the government, in, in the judicial system. I'm not, again, I'm not saying that's wrong or that's bad or that the pendulum swing is, has not been necessary on some on some level, but men are really falling behind right now, and I think a lot of it has to do with with the way that they feel like they've been treated since the early 70s.
1: And let's be clear in making the distinction here Don, we're not talking about teaching men how to, you know, engage in bath humor amongst the boys and, you know, learn how to crush empty aluminum cans on their forehead, things of this sort. It's not teaching men to be the Neanderthals, but rather teaching men to be more responsible, more accountable for their actions and roles and duties and responsibilities as husband, as father, as leader, etc. We'll take a time Our conversation with best selling author Don Otis continues from KFAX